Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. There will be spoilers for episodes we've already discussed, but no spoilers for future episodes. Thanking God that I survived Y2K, I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason, a.k.a. Lilac One. (laughs) Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? We are watching Buffy Season 4, Episode 11, Doomed. Um, This is the one where there's kind of a generic apocalypse and... Uh, Percy calls Willow a nerd? <laughs> like, <laughs> uncalled for. Um, and Riley and Buffy, Riley's kind of an asshole, honestly, and Buffy likes that, I guess. I will, I will get into that in depth, uh, okay. in the episode proper. As, as we've been doing this, like, through of season four, I've been like, you know, I'm not minding Riley, but, like, I know that I mind Riley, so when is this switch gonna happen? And I was this like, oh, episode, it's doomed. This episode <laughs> is, like, two switches for two important characters, and we'll get to that in the episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Doomed was written by... Marty Noxon, David Fury, and Jane Espenson, mm-hmm. and directed by James A. Contner, and originally aired on January 18th in the year 2000. 2000. Woo! Happy New Year, 18 days later, and also 21 years later. <laughs> um, so, so um, does this episode feel like it was written by three people? Because it feels like it was written by three oh, people. Oh, it sure does. Um, and the reason is... Is that yes, David Fury? This. Yeah, um, yeah. We're gonna get into the. We're gonna start the episode just re- real soon. But the reason there are three writers in this episode is that David Fury was getting married the week that they were doing the week that they were doing the writing for this episode, and so um, and uh, and also Marty Noxon and Jane Esmondson were guests at his wedding, so. <laughs> There were literally points when they were on the dance floor, but they're like, they would like tag out to go like write some more of the episode. This is from David Fury himself. Yeah, I read that and I was like, yeah, it shows. Like, like, it really shows. Um, um, Especially since Jane, like, I feel like Jane and Marty in particular have really different styles. Marty Noxon tends to be a little darker. And of course, Jane Espenson usually writes more humorous episodes. So, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Yep. But for now, let's play some intro music. Let's do it. Radio voice. Okay, <clears throat> Jason, what are you what are you drinking this week? <laughs> What's the matter with you? I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. And what are you drinking, motherfucker? Um, I'm drinking a nice uh, sweet glass of strawberry wine. Ooh, lovely! Like that sounds really nice on like a. 
a day like this because it's so like warm and sunny and yep it's uh yeah it's kind of like uh and it's nice and crisp too so mm. it's a good i think it's a good choice thank you for the compliment love, harrison what are you love drinking that journey for you uh <laughs> i am drinking a blood orange margarita oh damn um uh, it's funny i was gonna have a gin and tonic um and then about 10 minutes before we were supposed to start recording john got home from the store and he's like he's like oh i bought stuff for blood orange margaritas and i was like uh can you make that in the, like, the next 10 minutes and he was like um i can try um it was closer to like 12 but uh <laughs> uh i am delighted um is yes it's a puffy episode that means it's my toast um okay yep. um a toast to nerds everywhere yeah wear it as a badge mm-hmm that Percy called me a nerd through line, though, had me in stitches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been a nerd for a very long time. Yes, you have, Willow. Um. You know, so, like, the reappearance of Percy is yet another... It, it kind of ties into this episode, because mm-hmm. this episode is very much kind of looking back on the high school days. Yes, I was curious while I was watching it, um, I, I was like, I bet they ha- heavily advertised the going back to Sunnydale High angle of this episode. And I went and I found a promo for the episode. And indeed, the entire promo was, we're going back to Sunnydale High. And then they're there for like the last five minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's not only that, though. It's like, it's Percy. It's references mm-hmm. to the mayor, to Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Angel. even like, uh, yeah, even references to Angel. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and of course, Buffy, like, having to give Riley more or less the standard, oh, hey, I'm the Slayer talk. Mm-hmm. So, I don't hate the idea of doing that, but I also, it, it just, it doesn't fit right into this episode. It, no, it feels it like, it feels like if they're gonna do a, um, Let's look back on our days at Sunnydale High, which I believe happens a couple of times in later seasons mm-hmm. much more effectively. It I agree. should have been it should have been uh that should have kind of been the focus instead of like, oh, let's make kind of like let's make a reference to it. Let's make a reference to it. Let's mm-hmm. go back to the school for the last five minutes. Well, it's a very strange choice to do that, but also with the heavy themes of Buffy and Riley's relationship, they don't like, they don't quite connect. And I think you could have connected them. You could make, you know, Buffy's moving forward with her life with this new relationship. So maybe that causes a bit of reflection on her past, but they don't do that. They're totally separate threads. Um, and it's jarring. Yeah. And then there's this apocalypse like storyline going on that's super underwhelming. Um, Such a bland apocalypse. So bland. I actually have in my notes somewhere, I was like, uh, yes, I said, uh, the apocalypse shouldn't be that easy to start. They, like, kill one guy, steal some bones, uh, and throw a couple of them inside of a, into a, into the hell mouth. And I was like, it, you know the self-destruct sequence in Alien on the Nostromo that's like 40 different, like, <laughs> steps? Yeah. 
That's what the apocalypse should be. <laughs> but yeah, the, the apocalypse shouldn't be that easy, is all I'm saying. <laughs> it shouldn't. Um, right, so let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. Um, we obviously ended Hush with Buffy and Riley really trying to find the words to say um, after having like uh, their words literally taken from them for mm-hmm. half of an episode. Drink, Drink for communication. <laughs> Last time, I swear. <laughs> but, um... God, this week he communicates too much, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right, the way that Riley goes about this is really kind of shitty. Now He's so entitled. Um, like, yeah, um, like, he feels so, like he deserves Buffy. And I'm like, bitch, you don't. Well, so here's the thing. Um, as Harrison mentioned before... Um, Neither of us are huge fans of Riley. In fact, in my hot takes, uh, he's your in least our hot takes episode, series he's regular, my right? least favorite series regular. Oh, and speaking of which, <laughs> this week, this is yes, this week is the fir- is a new intro featuring Mark Lucas in, as a main character, um, and it's funny because you wouldn't believe it from the way that we've talked about it because we've said that uh, Riley seems like a pretty cool guy. I mean, he um, he obviously has a crush on Buffy. I mean, how can you not? Um, well, I mean, he, uh, I have a pretty good reason, I think, but... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, uh, and he, um, he, he does, like, while well, he does ask her friend specifically, Willow, to help him, like, kind of get a dialogue going with Buffy it's not like he immediately just kind of like disregards Willow as soon as he can talk to Buffy mm-hmm. um he he treats her well um and uh yeah apart from hiding his true identity as a uh, commanding officer of the initiative he is um he's not a bad guy mm-hmm. um and that kind of immediately immediately he loses that veneer because mm-hmm. now he is being brought into Buffy's world and it immediately becomes clear that he doesn't belong in it. At yeah. least for me. I'm sure there are plenty of Buffy Riley <laughs> fans out there. Um, I don't really want to talk to you. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing that gets me in this first scene is he's he's asking her, Like, oh, what are you? He is, like, trying to basically interrogate Buffy. And um, Buffy kind of reveals just how much she knows about uh, the initiative. Love that. Yeah, and uh, this takes Riley by surprise. Um, And when she asks for more, he says the rest is classified. I'm like, oh, that's how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. my girl Buffy needs to go Hannibal Lecter on his ass and quid pro quo the shit out of him. Oh, I was like, she should cook and eat him? I mean, okay, I yes, guess. Yes, do that too. <laughs> do that too. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. She... Meanwhile, Buffy is... um. Buffy is shook because, as she tells Riley, she thought that he was just a regular guy, and um, it's uh, there. There is a um, there is a really good exchange amidst all this junk 
um, when Riley's just like, how are you so strong? How are you so fast? I don't see a scratch on you. And she says, you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. Um, so that. that's a, that's a really, I think that's a really good line for Buffy. Um, obviously it's kind of yet another reminder of like, Hey, this takes a toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the physical toll, but the emotional toll as well. Yeah. I think this kind of, this conversation here and a lot of this, uh, highlights what I think was the fundamental uh, mistake they made with Ry- the creation of Riley. Because the idea of Riley was, you know, Buffy, after her relationship with Angel, her next boyfriend is just a normal guy. Except he's not a normal guy. Like, he's in this, you know, he's in this commando group. He's in the initiative. I think... I think Riley would have been a more successful character if he had had nothing to do with the initiative. If he literally was just a normal guy she met at college. Um, I think that's a more interesting story to tell, personally. Um, yeah. But um, I also like your use of your uh, your choice of the word uh, shook, that Buffy was shook. Um, because, because in just a moment... <laughs> Everyone gets literally shook. (laughs) Okay. Do you agree with me um, in my assessment that Buffy's reaction to this earthquake is so over the top? Like, like I get it. There, uh, an earth, the last time an earthquake appeared on the show, it, it foretold her death back in Prophecy Girl. I get that that was traumatic. But this, while this is the first earthquake that appeared on the show, I looked this up. It could not have been the first earthquake she experienced in the interim because Southern California experiences 10,000 earthquakes per year. Most of them are so small that they aren't felt, but several hundred are a uh, 3.0 on the Richter scale. Is that right? Yes. Richter. And then 15 to 20 are 4.0s. So, like, Buffy... I, I agree with Giles. I think Buffy's being a little dramatic uh, about her reaction. I mean, obviously she's right, but I still think she's overreacting a bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and now, uh, and I feel like in a way that kind of like is us kind of minimizing her trauma, but I mean... <laughs> I just think the, it's the we're writers... We're just being logical not, here. Yeah, yeah, it's the writers not thinking through the um the reality that the first earthquake that's appearing on the show since then would n- in no way be the first earthquake that Buffy has felt since then. And does she have yeah. this reaction every time she like, has an earthquake? I mean, maybe, but I don't know. But yeah, um, Ryan is excited about it because yeah, he's, he's like, not used to earthquakes. <laughs> he's not used to earthquakes where he comes from and I'm like, well, you've been in you've been in Southern California for at least three years because I believe he's a senior. He's either senior or junior, so let's say like two years at the at the least. Oh, you know that's interesting. I've always kind of assumed that um, he came like he came to UC Sunnydale this semester. Like he was like a transfer, but I I don't know. Maybe that's just because he's new on the show. So I'm just like he's transferred to the show. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like um, with his standing with Professor Walsh, both as a TA and in the uh, and in the initiative, it seems like he's I don't know, just mm-hmm. had more of a presence there. But 
I guess that ties into our discussion we had in, I can't remember which episode, but about the wonky timeline of the initiative and how long is the initiative being yeah. Sunnydale, which we, we're never given an answer about that. So, um, yep. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the whole gang has to uh, deal with uh, the earthquake damage, particularly Xander and Spike. Spike is still uh, residing at Z- in Xander's basement, and uh, Xander's kind of had it. He, he doesn't like Sp- Spike being a freeloader, and uh, so he gives Spike a wrench and tells him to just fix the leaking pipe, and when he has his back turned... Uh, Spike just tries to tries to just whack Xander on the head with a wrench, which is already a funny thing. But remember, he's still got the chip, so <laughs> mid swing, he just like puts his hand to his head in pain. <laughs> so, as I was, it's uh, as I was watching this episode today, I was like, I was suddenly struck by a thought: What do Xander's parents think about? this situation about spike do they know about spike do they uh have they upped xander's rent because he has a friend staying with him Are they <laughs> like <he's> roommate. <laughs> like um i don't know um, the the presence of xander's parents has never really been an important point for the series yeah um so I don't think much thought was put into it. Probably not. Um, Xander's parents only ever come up if they want to remind us of how shitty they are. But yeah, so um, Xander uh, leaves because uh, he is now a pizza delivery guy. Um, and uh, and uh, we see Buffy uh, find or Willow finding Buffy and uh, saying, oh, there's going to be an aftershock party. Um, in one of the dorms, uh, because colleges have parties for just about everything. How how accurate did this feel to you as my resident expert on going to college at a at a <laughs> real building college? Um, well, so parties didn't seem to happen too much in the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more kind of like uh, at least not the dorms that I was in. Um, Mostly because it's mostly just rooms. Like there mm-hmm. weren't, there weren't too many of like the common room areas. If parties did happen, they were typically at uh, either the frat houses or the sorority houses, or um, at like you know you know somebody who lives close to campus and everybody just goes to their house. Gotcha. Um, this the party later yeah, looks it, it, more um, like it's in a house than in a dorm. I, I mean, thought. there are plenty of parties. It, it's college after all. <laughs> oh, speaking of frats, sorry, this is so off topic. But the other day, John and I, because the weather has been really nice, and we've been going for walks, and we live really close to um, U of L, and we went for a walk down by U of L, and we were walking past the frat houses, and oh my god, there was just like ten like really hot super shirtless guys playing volleyball and we like we just kind of stopped for a minute and we're like whoa and then we were like oh no we can't just stand here staring and we're going but i was like damn anyway that's my story. yeah there are um <laughs> that was a thing at L. right next to threckled hall there was the volleyball court and if the weather was permitting it almost always had um and I feel like most of the time it was guys there. 
Like, I feel that maybe a few times I saw um, some girls there, but most of the time it was guys. And yeah, a lot of them were like taking the opportunity to show off their very well developed uh, college bods. So, yeah. Next time I'll make sure to bring a chair with me. Um, <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so then. Uh, but Buffy is trying to go to Giles because she is. Um, She's very worried about this. This scene... Okay, I want to talk about me watching this scene with Giles. Okay. So, um, <laughs> right, before, right before I watched this episode, I noticed that um, apparently this past year, the 700th episode of The Simpsons aired, mm-hmm. and I, um, I didn't know about it. There wasn't a lot of fanfare for it. So I decided, oh, I'll watch that. It's on Hulu. And as I was watching it, the last little stretch of The Simpsons that I watched were some earlier episodes because I like kind of started going through the series on Disney+. And I noticed just how the voices, even though it is the same voice actors, how you can tell there's a difference in their voices. Cut to this scene. And and as Buffy is talking oh, to Giles... I know as Buffy is talking to Giles, he just sounds super weird. And I'm like, is this just me hearing things? Fortunately, I did end up checking the Buffy wiki. And apparently a lot of Anthony Stewart Head's uh, dialogue was redubbed as mm-hmm. and not ADR, well. Baby. <laughs> not well. Um, yep. But yeah, that, that threw me off for this entire scene. So... <laughs> Um, ADR is so weird because it's, I mean, it's not uncommon. Um, so for listeners who possibly don't know, ADR is basically what Jason just described. It's when an actor goes in after the fact and, and re-records the lines. Um, and it's sometimes because there's lots of reasons. Maybe it didn't record well, or there was weird background noise or something like that. And they, um, they just need to do it. And most of the time I feel like it's, pretty unnoticeable but yeah sometimes like here it's really noticeable there's a scene in alien um when uh how many um, times are you gonna reference that today <laughs> not on purpose i swear um it's oh gosh what's what are their names it's yafet koto and harry dean stanton um by the way r.i.p yafet koto who passed away yep. this past week um and, and harry dean stanton who passed away a couple years ago um i can't remember their characters names um but they're talking to Ripley about, like, the bonus situation. And there's, like, steam going everywhere. Um, and I had never noticed... I'd always felt like this, it was, like... There was something really weird about Sigourney Weaver's delivery in that scene. And when John and I went to see it on the big screen for the 40th anniversary a couple years ago, I realized it was much more obvious on a, on a movie theater screen that it was like, oh, shit. It's like really poorly, her lines in the scene are really poorly done ADR. Um, and yeah, so. By the way, their character names were Brett and Parker. Ah, thank you. Um, I know that would have annoyed you. Um, it really, well, it was really annoying me because like, if, I, if it were one of the sequels where there's more characters and starting in the third one, uh, less defined characters, I would have been more <laughs> forgiving of myself to have forgotten the character names. But in the first one, like, very small cast, very, like, 
every character is pretty individual and obvious. Like I uh, am defined. So I was kind of surprised I couldn't remember. So thank you. It's probably because I'm drunk. (laughs) But um, in this scene with Giles, Buffy is obviously um, trying to uh, communicate her distress, uh, Mm -hmm. thinking that, um, oh, there was an earthquake. Um, That was one of the signs when I died. Can I I say something without... I mean, I'm going to come across as just a massive fucking hypocrite right now. But Giles is really dismissive of her worries in in a way that's uncharacteristic, I think. Do you do you agree with me? I think um Well, like you said, I'm kind of on Giles's side. I get that uh Buffy has been through trauma, but I mean it's if she's jumping at every earthquake and he does mention that earthquakes are a Southern California occurrence, yeah. then um that should be a trauma that should have been uh addressed way before now i mean we're talking like three years ago well listen Um, if all the characters in this show appropriately dealt with their trauma we'd never have a show (laughs) fair enough um i just feel like typically giles even if he doesn't even if he doesn't quite think uh, like agree with buffy about these things he usually is at least trusting enough of her and shows a little bit of concern to look into it even if he's like even if it literally just comes to, yeah, I looked into it, you're wrong. But here he's just like, no. Which I felt was a little weird. Maybe um, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe the, the whole reaction to the earthquake seems a little out of character for Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't match up with anything else that goes on with her in the actual show. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when they find out that this is an apocalypse... She kind of like goes on her merry way with her usual quippiness. So yeah. the only time that she really kind of shows distress is the beginning with Riley, the scene with Willow, and then this scene. So it, it, it seemed a weird thing to follow through with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Giles keeps trying to bring up um, the initiative, the commandos, and... Uh, and he's saying, like, oh, well, their base may even be below UC Sunnydale. The students may even be, the students around you may even be, like, some of the commandos. And uh, so Buffy is obviously, um, <laughs> she's anxious about, you know, having this new information about Riley. And so she's like, hey, no, you know what? Um, but what about the earthquakes? Uh, hmm. And... Um, and, but Giles tries to stay on topic, and this shifts to Riley talking to Forrest, um, who is asking... Sorry. Before we move on to Forrest, though, what you uh, just said actually gave me a thought. Okay. Do you think maybe that the reason Buffy is reacting so strongly is because... Be- is directly related to this big revelation about Riley, and that this is something that she can focus on to avoid... All of that. I don't if think it's necessarily case, done well, but... Yeah, like, if that is the case, I don't think it was communicated very well in that first scene. Yeah. Um, it really did seem like the talk with Riley and the reaction to the earthquake were two separate things. It, yeah. They didn't seem linked in the slightest. I think all of this might have been more more palatable to me if 
they had connected those two events. And just like I was saying about uh, at the beginning about like the looking back to high school and the Buffy Riley stuff, if they had done a better job of connect, it's a lot of pieces that just don't connect. Yeah. Um, but uh, we have Riley talking to Forrest and Forrest is aware of the Slayer Though, of course, there is kind of like a throwaway <laughs> comment to the band Slayer. Um, nice. Which uh, we get a... Um, you'd think we would get more references to Slayer, but I think this is the only one that I can remember besides um, one much later in a later episode of Angel. Um, mm. Made by a character that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we haven't met yet, but... Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny when people do bring that up. Um, <laughs> Slayer's not too bad. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go to a concert of Je- I What? I, I was like, yeah, they're fine. You don't mind like, them? I don't mind them. Like, yeah, I like if 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 a song of theirs comes on, I'm like, sure. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't go to a concert of theirs that's just them where they're headlining. But if I was at a music festival like uh, Louisville's Louder Than Life. And they happen to be there, and I don't have another band that I would really want to see instead of them. Yeah, hell yeah, I'd go to a Slayer. I'd go to the Slayer show. Um, but uh, Forrest mentions that um, he has heard of it, and he thinks of it as kind of a the bo- the Slayer is the boogeyman amongst demons to scare their children or their brood. And um, at this moment, and. Uh, and uh, it, it's also, this is kind of an important scene because um, Forrest kind of gives the what I assume is the initiative's general viewpoint on demons mm-hmm. in that they're just animals. Um, and uh, this is kind of uh, um, emphasized by a demon going berserk and um, they try and they basically have to subdue it, one that's in the initiative. And, um, but yeah, and, uh, that's kind of a, and I think that is a very important point because we need to kind of know the initiative's motives going forward. In this case, they see them just as, you know, pests, um, that need to be exterminated. And Hey, we've had this story before in Buffy and Buffy has kind that was kind of Buffy's initial, Mm -hmm. um, viewpoint of demons but obviously she grew to um she grew to uh realize that there's more to it and yeah. um i think they i think that also is kind of reflective in that um uh later in the episode when riley's trying to talk about oh why shouldn't we be together and tries to kind of explain to her like oh he tries to he tries to mansplain being a slayer to the slayer Yes, he uh, does. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll I think get it to also. Um, it also. Everything you said was yeah. It, it, it really is a great way to um, juxtapose and distinguish how the Buffy operates with how the Initiative. They're very science minded and like uh, for this whole thing about they're just animals underlines a severe lack of understanding of what they're actually dealing with. Um, they so. Um, whereas Buffy, yeah, she doesn't have all the high tech equipment. She doesn't, she you know, she doesn't have the military stuff um, or a giant team. But she and her group 
understand what they're dealing with. Uh, and if they don't understand, make a point to understand. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Should but, we talk about uh, Percy? Yeah, we have Willow at this party. Okay. I feel bad saying this um, in an episode where Willow is already in a scene where episode, where Willow is already made fun of. But what she's wearing to the coat that she has on, Awful. that's just not party attire. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't wear coats or jackets to parties, but I feel that if I'm at a party, and um, granted, this is in January in Southern California, so there's probably like a little bit of a nip in the air, um, mm. especially because like it's it's near the bay area but um yeah the thing about i feel that if you wear a heavy coat or a coat that has um like willow's wearing that has like the the wool lining and stuff Mm -hmm. it it really kind of sends off signals that you don't want to be at the party and um it's a weird choice yeah, and I mean, if yeah, if so, say we're say we're at a party at your house, and I come in and never take off my my winter coat, um, but like yeah, I, I'm I'm that would waiting be weird. for you to leave. Like I'm the if you're not taking off your coat the whole time, I'm going. Oh, he's about to leave. Like yeah, and I feel and I feel kind of bad about judging Willow on this, but I mean. It just it just seems like a strange move for her, especially mm-hmm. because she has she has a re- her wardrobe has developed mostly for good, sometimes mostly. not so great. Um, <laughs> over she's like still this in jail, past but, year, um. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, yeah, this uh, this this coat does not make for good bail money. Uh, no, but I almost sent her to death row, man. Like, <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, um, uh, Willow is kind of waiting for Buffy to be there, um, and uh, otherwise she feels very strangely out of place, mm-hmm. um, but she does see Percy. Remember when Percy was such a good boy? I don't he's like not this a good girl boy he's anymore. I don't like this girl he's with. She's a bad influence. She sucks. <laughs> he, he, Percy would never have said... You know what Willow should be doing right now? She should be like, she should be going and finding some leather and then going and be like, do you want me to whoop your fucking ass again, Percy? Putting the fear of God into Percy. (laughs) Who's a nerd now, Percy? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Slayer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is so... I, I, he is so mean to her. I mean, he's not. He is being nice to her. It's this chick he's with who is, like, really... While they're having a conversation, she's, like, whispering in his ear. Like, obviously saying, like, I don't want to talk to this chick. Let's go. And then, yeah, then she, um... He overhears them talking. Or Willow She does immediately feel threatened by Willow. Well, as she should. I'm sorry. She called. She like implied that Willow was ugly, and Willow was very pretty, and quite frankly, prettier than Lori. By the my way, my apologies uh, to we, the actress who plays Lori. <laughs> by the way, we are recording this episode on Allison Hannigan's birthday. 
Holy so, shit, we are? I yes. didn't realize that. Oh my god. Happy birthday, Allie Hannigan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now listeners are going to pinpoint just how how long we let this episode go before recording it. <laughs> well, in all fairness, uh, I'm going to be frank. We both have had we have a had very... A we we have had a week. Um, oh we won't go into the details, but um, yeah. we are getting this episode in a little bit under the gun, and I'm not afraid to admit that because hey, we're still bringing you an episode. Yeah, bitches. Sorry. Oh God, this murderer, <laughs> man. <laughs> Just also, direct that I'll anger be... at Lori and Percy. I'll be honest too. I uh, I also did a shot of tequila before we started recording. Oh so. boy, you are really uh, <laughs> boozing and buffing now. Um, um, yeah, so I'm mad at Lori. She makes Willow feel bad about herself, and um, and Percy also, does nothing to stop it. And so I'm mad at you, Percy, very bad. Also, when Percy. also when uh, when Willow is overhearing the conversation, she's not that far away. Percy's peripheral vision is shit. Right. <laughs> also, in fairness, he never calls her a nerd. He calls her an egghead. <laughs> uh, he does and call her the she's of the a nerd squad. Oh fuck! You're right. You're right. He does. Never mind. Yeah, um, and um, and like the nerd squad would only promote from within. <laughs> God, I think that um, might be one of the funniest things I've said in a while. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So this leads to Willow. Um well first, before um before that before Willow goes to lie down, we meet uh someone I referred to in my notes as poor hot shirtless guy. Who is um, ready for naked limbo. That's all he wanted. He just wanted a naked limbo. And then he gets murdered. I feel so bad for poor hot shirtless guy. Who just wanted to naked limbo. Also, my gay agenda this week is poor hot shirtless guy <laughs> doing naked limbo. Also, anyway. <laughs> it looks like he's grabbing drinks for oh. all of his friends. He is. Sorry, I just knocked you over. Yeah, <laughs> he, he seems like a pretty decent guy. He's... Now, so, uh, yeah. I was... I Although, did, that, I drink, was... those drinks looked like almost entirely vodka and then, like, <laughs> a splash of 7-Up. I mean that's that's college drinks for you, man. That's true. I, I that's do true. have to say, I don't know. Now I'm sort of thinking about the logistics of naked limbo. I I don't know if it's something I would want to be a part of. I am totally down for naked party games, ladies. But um, <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, but I don't know. You if heard it here first, ladies. He's single. <laughs> And probably will be for a while. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, you know, strip poker and stuff like that. That Those are classics. Naked Limbo, though, I feel like that's, um, that's a lot of, like, physical exertion. And I don't think it would give... Unle- I mean, I don't think it would give the most appealing of angles to view somebody's naked body at now some people would argue that maybe it does i guess it all matters what you're into well and you know that's the thing too if you get an erection that's an immediate disadvantage of getting under the limbo stick so play naked twister instead yeah no naked twister that is that is another classic like (laughs) that totally makes sense but naked limbo i mean I don't get it. 
<laughs> Not. I hope you. this That's wasn't okay. happening at. I hope this wasn't happening at David Fury's wedding. <laughs> and they're like, let's put it. Oh in. my god! I'm just imagining like it's time for naked limbo, and Jane Espenson's like, oh my god, I've got a great idea, and like runs off to her typewriter because in the year god. 2000 she was using a typewriter. I assume that in the year 2021 she's using a typewriter. She seems like the type. She seems she. I mean, there is she's the typewriter very, type. <laughs> ah, there's something very satisfying about the clickety clackety of of a typewriter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Anyway, no. Uh, having having a uh, having met Jane Espenson in person, I can say that she seems like the type of person who would definitely use a typewriter and probably make the naked limbo joke too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think it's real obvious uh when it's when it's jane in this episode <laughs> like um the the whole nerd thing definitely jane espenson like yeah anyway r.i.p uh, poor hot shirtless guy yeah um and what's really interesting is that willow is not feeling great so she, oh. instead of leaving the party, goes to a random door room yeah, and so lies weird. down. The power goes out, and when it comes back on, she realizes that she is next to a shirtless guy who's oh. now dead and has a symbol carved onto him. And, uh, yeah, he's very bloody. So, yeah, I, I, I can't... There's no reasoning behind this well, except that... Willow needed to be there to discover the body. She is still waiting for Buffy to show up. So I guess she didn't want to leave before Buffy got there. But but yes, it's very convenient that she... That the also, demons I mean, show up and kill someone at the party that she's at. And then she goes and finds said body. Also, I'm like... Unless I was very, very wasted... I would not like um, lie down on in the, someone else's a random bed. bed. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know who's fucked in that bed. Like, I mean, I mean, hell, there was a time when we had a party over at your place, and well, it wasn't originally a party. It was a. It became a party, um, and that, that oh was when yeah, we got super super drunk at my old and, apartment, um, not where I live yes, now. Yeah, correct. Um, but uh, but yeah, I um. Like, I didn't even, I didn't, even in my drunken state, my first thought wasn't, oh, I'm going to go lie on the bed. It was, I'm going to lie on the couch. i go lie on the bathroom floor. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I very much, as much as I was kind of stuck in the bathroom hurling, I wanted to get out of the bathroom. I don't think anybody That's wants fair. to stay in the bathroom when they're drunk. I wanted to, oh, like, no. get to something that was soft. And so Speaking I got to the couch. Speaking of lying down on the bathroom floor, sometimes when I was a teenager, when I'd like get up to go to like get ready to go to school, I'm not a morning person at all. I really struggle to like get going in the morning. So sometimes I would like get up and then like go into the bathroom and then just lie down on the bathroom floor for a while, like until it, um, uh, and it was like it was a state. It, it was steps to getting me up. Like get up, lie down a little longer. <laughs> open the door get on the floor everybody walk the dinosaur yes all right um uh, uh is it 
Uh, is it Spike and Xander next? Yeah, that... so one of the things that Xander asked Spike to do, apart from fixing the pipe, was um, to do laundry. laundry. And unfortunately, this resulted in Spike shrinking his own clothes and having to wear Xander's horrible wardrobe. In Listen. this case, a Hawaiian shirt and short pants. I'm going to say, though, he still looked pretty hot. <laughs> he wore it way better than Xander does. It's actually Yeah, that's like um makes me think of men in black. Like, you know the difference between you and me is I make this look good. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny though, because it's clearly not a regular Xander like costume piece, because it's kind of still fitted to James Marster's body, whereas everything Xander wears is typically like really um uh large to hide the fact that Nicholas Brendan was pretty, like, pretty fit. Um, So I thought it was kind of funny that even though he's wearing Xander's clothes, it still looks like this piece was tailored specifically for James Marsters. Um, Spike calls uh, Xander poof, so uh, thanks for that casual homophobia. Yay! Um, uh, He also also uses a phrase... The, oh, um, no, I, I'll say it. I, I'm the one who can say it, so I'll... Yeah, fair I, enough, you fair don't, enough. I was like, I, I don't want you to have to sit there uncomfortably trying to figure out how to say this, so I'll just do it for you. Um, yeah, he tells Xander to fag off. Um, yeah. Actually, I love... Gonna, so here's the thing. I, I love the note on the Buffy wiki that's... It's just the way that it's phrased. Spike tells Xander to... Which is a phrase that has never been uttered by any English person, probably any person in the English-speaking world, since records began. In English, <laughs> in English, it literally means cigarette off. So, it's so strange. I don't strange. know who wrote that comment in there, but goddamn, that was hilarious. I, <laughs> you're not. Uh, oh yeah, I it's in, I was like I'm looking for that. I was like, oh, it's in the goofs. Yeah, it's. It's that's later in the episode, though. That's not here, but um, yeah, it's oh, yeah, you're right, but yeah, it's um, it's a moment, it's a choice, it's a moment, um, (sighs) but yeah, so um, yeah, and uh, at this point, um, uh, Xander's just like, you know what. I used to, like, think that you were, like, the big bad, but you're not the big bad. You're not even, like, mild evil now. You're just, um, like, you're not even worth my time. And, uh, then leaves. And, and, um, yeah. So, for I mean, once, we know, Xander got a one-up on Spike. That's how we know how low Spike is right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when when he can wear Xander's clothing and get insulted by Xander whilst wearing the clothing, this is like the nadir for Spike. Yep. Up to this uh, point. <laughs> we go back to the party, and <laughs> I love this, this conversation between Willow and Buffy, because um, Buffy's comforting her, and she's like, yeah, I was trying to figure out exactly where the party was and then i saw sirens and heard screaming and went ah yes of course (laughs) that's where the party is and then willow's filling buffy in about how horrible what she experienced was this bloody body it was right next to her oh my god how is that and then she goes and percy called me a nerd (laughs) 
And Willow, uh, Buffy appropriately responds with, Percy called you a nerd? That is friendship goals. Like, like yes, yeah, I'm really you can sorry. disregard a, a grisly murder. <laughs> I'm really because sorry your that best you found his body. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. And then at the end of it, um, as they're walking off screen, Buffy just goes, does Percy even go here? <laughs> <laughs> that was he doesn't even very go here. funny. <laughs> that was, and that, once again, I know Jane wrote that. I fucking oh, know absolutely. it. Oh, like, absolutely. And I do think my favorite parts of this episode, uh, which I think we've both made it pretty clear, we're, we're not in love with this episode, but my favorite parts are these funny moments that I'm, I can, every time I'm like, I'm pretty sure Jane Espenson wrote that. Like, um, anyway, uh, Percy, rude. Yes. Um, they, uh, um, Riley and Forrest have been like, uh, just shooting the tiny little basketballs that they have into the tiny little basketball goal. And, um... I had one of those growing up. Yeah. Uh, which is also next to a, um, a poster. Balls poster? Yeah, the balls poster. Um, which is, like... Which is very much a, um, a a total, like, douchey guy in college thing to have. Mm Um... Sorry to all those out there who had one of those, but, I mean... It's it's low hanging fruit. I'm just right now. Ha! Low hangers. The Willow Willow and um Willow, uh, Xander and Buffy uh, make their way to Giles' apartment and um, to tell to tell him about the uh, tell him about the murder and the symbol. Oh, wow, I completely forgot why I was talking about Riley and Forrest. Riley and Forrest, their uh, their hoop session is interrupted by Graham, who walks in and says, "Hey, um, there was a murder. We're not entirely sure what it was, but um, it seems like a possible murder of interest." So um, Riley's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go scout it out, and uh, you update Professor Walsh." Now, here's the thing about this episode: um, when we have the uh, when we have the Scoobies in G- at Giles's place. I think right around this time is when it becomes clear that we really could have used the presence of Anya. Um, yeah, we really could have uh, the the initiative stuff definitely could have used the presence of Professor Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and uh, and yeah, last episode of Buffy and Hush, we were introduced to Tara, and it would have been really cool. Like for a minute, any follow I thought up that, at all? Like yeah, for a minute, I thought that. Um, that uh, Willow was looking for Tara at the party, um, or that maybe she might come across Tara and have somebody to talk to. But no, we really just have the main cast in this episode with, mm-hmm. like, obviously with Forrest and, like, a little brief appearance from Graham. But, uh, yeah, you have all these cool supporting characters that are getting introduced and have been, like, have either just been introduced or have been developed well over this season and we kind of don't do anything with them. It it seems oddly, and I mean, it could also be a throwback to another throwback to a uh, pre, um, mm. like to the Sunnydale High days. But I, I mean, I feel like this episode would have been tremendously improved with a little bit of Anya. Yeah, I mean, I think any episode is improved with any amount of Anya, in my personal Correct. opinion. But no, I think you're a right, bit um, Anya. <laughs> 
I'm a little bit la 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 la. I oh my god! I need I need Anya specific lyrics to a little bit Alexis because I need think, to tweet that to Emma Caulfield. I, <laughs> I think like um, uh, as as we move forward with Anya's character and learn a lot about her rich and varied history over the course of her thousand year lifespan, like um. I, I think there's a lot to mine there for uh, for a nice parody. I love that. Um, yeah. But, you know, I agree with you. I especially, uh, in particular, agree on the point of Maggie, uh, Professor Maggie Walsh. Um, I find the, the initiative so bland unless she's part of, like, the scenes. Because I think Professor Walsh really crackles on screen and... Um, in a way that the other initiative characters don't. Um, and I think part of that is um, Lindsay, Lindsay Krauss. Is that her name? I, th- I know we've discussed it. Lindsay Krauss's performance. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah. So getting like initiative stuff here, but no Maggie Walsh. I'm just like, eh, don't want it. Don't care. <laughs> Lindsay Krauss. Um, yes. Um, but yes, at a, uh, Giles's place, though, th- you know, we're get th- we have our exposition scene. Um, it also feels another issue I have with this episode. It feels like we get so many of the research exposition scenes, and it's like, all right, let's like move it along. Yeah, maybe I do one have... or two of these an episode, but like, gosh, man. Yeah, um, it it feels like a lot of filler. Um, although I appreciate that even once they get to Giles. Um, Willow has still not gotten over the Percy thing. <laughs> and that's when she has her line, like, I haven't been a nerd in a very long time. Hello, dated a musician. It's <laughs> um, yeah, so a nice little... Which, uh, oh, actually, there's another hey, one. A, a shout out to come Oz. Come on, Willow, embrace it. Yeah, yeah, embrace it. I, um... I feel like we were still in that era at this point. It, it was still a couple years ago before nerds got cool again, I think. Um, or like yeah. culturally, yeah. Um, um, but Giles sees the symbol, which Xander remarks looks a little bit like uh, the CBS logo. Okay. Um, so I looked this up because he says he mentions someone called Morley Safer, and I went, "Who is that?" So I looked him up. Morley Safer is a or was he's passed. Uh, he was a broadcast journalist, reporter, and correspondent at CBS. Um, very prolific, and he is the, he was the longest serving reporter on 60 Minutes. Okay. And he had, he had, like, his Wikipedia page was long. This man had a career, so. Yeah, like, typically if it's, because the name did sound familiar, um, but yeah, typically if it's a reporter that you've heard of, there's a reason that you've heard of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but, um. But yeah, and uh, Giles sees the, um, Giles is able to research and find out that uh, this is actually going to be the apocalypse. Um, and and uh, Buffy, Willow, and Xander just all say it once again. Yep. And honestly, that's kind of how this whole thing feels. It's like, if this is supposed to be a world ender, then... It should have a little more gravitas like to it. it. 
Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't just it like apocalypse has just become a throwaway word for Buffy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I've been watching. Um, I've been rewatching uh, Agents of Shield uh, since the show ended this past summer, and I was watching an episode the other day, and there was some fantastical thing happening, of course, and there's some random like guest character who's in the episode who is not a member of the team, but he's like, oh my God, that's crazy. And then no one else is really reacting to it. And he's like, what, do you guys see stuff like this all the time? And all of them were like, yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, which kind of felt like what this was doing too. Um, of the like, oh, of course it's an apocalypse. Um, but it's also really, really at odds with, um, with how Buffy was reacting at the beginning of the episode. Like, yeah, and here's yeah. where we get into the, here's where we get into the inconsistency caused by uh, three people writing the script, even though it's yeah. three writers that we, uh, that we really do enjoy mm-hmm. on their but own. Yeah, but they're three writers who all have very distinctive different styles, um, which can work. Um, uh, spoiler alert for um, a little thing we're doing on Saturday that I will talk about at the end of our episode um there's an episode in season seven that has four different writers that really works but because because they each wrote compartmentalized sections of the script and it's designed that way this is just thrown into a blender and made a crappy smoothie but uh as they're doing research um buffy says hey you know what we're gonna we're gonna stop this, um, and of course she grabs the crossbow. Of course, and can I? Can actually? Can I take this for a second? Because I have thoughts, I have feelings, and I need to express them. I need. I'm to... pretty. I'm pretty sure they have. They are the exact same feelings that I'm about to express. But go ahead, you you can take this. Uh, so I think it's well documented my disdain for the crossbow on this show, but. Um, she shoots the demon with the crossbow. It does fucking nothing. So she throws the crossbow at the demon, and it does fucking nothing. It was immediately useless. Okay. It is literally for show that it's... that is it. Uh, I I was so mad. I was so mad. I was. Just... <laughs> and every time I bitch about this, John's like, "No, Harrison, Harrison, the crossbow has use in history." But it's it its use in history is in like wars where you're shooting it at distant opponents and you also have someone shielding you while you reload. It is not good for hand to hand combat. Okay, I'm sorry. My apologies to crossbow enthusiasts everywhere. Yeah, Go I'm ahead. sure they're listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, I... The first time I shot on a crossbow, they were like. Fuck this! Unsubscribe. <laughs> we le- we lost that base a long time ago. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I was going to bring up the exact same thing, but um, yes, Buffy does go into uh, does end up finding the symbol on a crypt um, while like kind of making remarks like, "Oh, here I am in the in the <laughs> graveyard, like always," and um, she. She shoots the demon, throws the crossbow at it, and guess what? None of it works. Um, uh, yes, so the demon was actually getting the bones of a small child, uh, nice. which is 
creepy. Um, I, I can I you know I appreciate the darkness there. I I can I can go for that. Yeah, it it adds like the the tiny little bit of gravitas that is mostly absent from the rest of this episode. Yes, but, it does. Uh, gravitas is the exact word I was going to use too. Buffy was um, Buffy tries to pursue the demon, um, but uh, gets beat up. Maybe if you had brought a weapon that wasn't the crossbow, you would have been fine. Uh, but oh, sorry, another inconsistency here. Every time Buffy fights these demons. Like, they seem to be, like, on par with her skill, um, and she struggles with them, but later in the episode, Xander fights one, and, like, anyway, I, 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 let's move on before I get too angry. Yeah, uh, well, I'm about to get angry here. Um, Good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Riley shows up, um, oh, and God. so, instead of chasing after the demon, he, do, he does call in backup, um... But he decides to take this opportunity to say that, hey, I want to, I think that together we can be very good. Um, and, uh, like, you you, need, you want to give this relationship a chance because Buffy at the same time is like, you know what, I can't, I can't do this. Like, we can't do this anymore. Um, and uh, Riley understandably enough is like whoa were we actually dating or <laughs> have we been like dating for a while and i just didn't know about it but yeah here is here is so part entitled of the... so yeah, entitled. this Ugh. is this is when the riley that i have always pictured in my head when i think of him when he emerges. really makes his first appearance when he bursts um, through he... the chest yeah okay <laughs> Sorry. That's three. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Rule of three. No, you're not. We'll you see. are not done. Listen, if the opportunity presents itself, like Chris Brewster. Um, <laughs> here's my problem with Riley, and this will this will um, persist for mm-hmm. the rest of his tenure on the show. He has an idea of how the world works. And you look at him, and it looks like, oh, he's the commanding. He's a commanding officer in the initiative. He has these set ways of how the world should work, and he always has to be in. He always has to see himself as being able to, to either be in control or get control from the situation. Like he's a, he's a, um, he's a guy who takes charge, mm-hmm. and um, he sees Buffy, and initially is thrown by Buffy. Because it's like it's not something he ever realized could be a thing. Like, oh, a a demon, like a demon hunter who has super strength. That's also a woman. Let's be honest. There's there's definitely some, uh, mm-hmm. I'll say subtle sexism, but the sexism is there. Um, I think I'll, but, I'll I'll I agree with you, but I'll also make the argument that there becomes there comes a point where it stops being subtle, in my opinion. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But, but, but at as this of right point, now, yes. As of right now, it's yeah. not immediately apparent. But um, now Riley has basically worked in his head that um, oh, I can I can make this all work. I can get I can make Buffy a part of my world because you know that's how he's viewing it. He's not mm-hmm. viewing it as hey, we're both part of this world. He's viewing Buffy as 
okay, I need her to be part of my world. He thinks that he probably thinks that he is the demon slayer extraordinaire, that he is a um he's God's gift to the world of people who need a hero from demons. And now he's like, oh, Buffy's gonna be my ally, and she's also gonna be my girlfriend, and everything will be great. He has this you can tell he has this very specific like fantasy of him and Buffy sexily fighting monsters and like and Buffy it realistically is like no actually in this scenario you die like and he cannot ra- he, it, 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 it it's the epitome of that the white straight male privilege um that he everything you just said he truly believes that like yeah and boo no, you're not. You're not everything. Yeah, and the uh, worst part is, is like when Buffy tells him, and she's trying to explain to him, like, "Hey, I don't want you to be a part of this. Like, you'll die." He says. Then he tries to say, like, "Oh, I guess, like, um, let me guess. There was a guy that kind of ruined uh, all this for you." And I mean, one, do you really want to bring up? Do you really want to bring up an ex-boyfriend right now, especially because I, it's like, you know, the love of her life. He doesn't know that, I'll admit. But yeah, it's kind of funny how he's right, but I'm like I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Riley, you're right, but still shitty to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, so um that's what uh so uh Buffy kind of like leaves it at that. And yeah. well and, and as she too, should it's, it's important to say she tells him flat out, she makes a very specific point to say, um, the answer is no. And that should have been the end of it. Like, regardless of anything else, when she says no, he should have said, okay. But he doesn't. Mm. Don't forget, guys, consent is the sexiest thing ever. Mm-hmm. So. Hell yeah. Yeah. And people who don't get that are not sexy. No. Do you want to live in a world where you are not sexy? <laughs> consent. I do not. I could never. I couldn't even imagine a world in which I'm not sexy. Uh, I can. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> All right. Love you. Which of these three screwdrivers would you like me to start with? <laughs> Why do you have three screwdrivers at your desk? I actually have four. Why? Uh, because- because the other day I was looking for a screwdriver and I pulled all the screwdrivers out to find which one I needed. And now they're, they've just been sitting here. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> um, the Scoobies eventually find out after, um, after Buffy relays the info that um, what the demons are trying to accomplish is the sacrifice of three, which will destroy the world. And they need the blood of a man, which they got. The bones of a oh, child, which R. they R. got, R. and um, the word of Valios, which nobody is really sure what it is. But then they will have to sacrifice three people, and this and this will bring about the end of the world. Um, a question. So, yeah. Do you remember what the word of Valios is? Because I literally it left my mind at the end of this episode. It's a it's a medallion that uh, uh yes. I, he bought I, from okay. like. By the way, that was like such a dumb way to reveal what it was. Ugh. Maybe that's but, why um, I couldn't remember because I was like, "That's stupid." Like, yeah. Um, but at first, they don't know what the word of Valios is. So, um, Buffy, uh, Willow, and Xander—they're uh, going to go to the museum to check on like some of the ancient books because word of Valios 
it's a not too bad assumption to think that it's a book of some sort, some kind of text. Um, yeah, and uh, but Xander says like, oh, first I need to like go by my place and change out of my pick up some weapons and change out of my uh, pizza delivery uniform. Riley is uh, Riley is talking to the team and uh, they're able to develop a um, a way to kind of track the pheromones of the uh, of the demons so they can kind of see like the places that it visited. So each of the both the initiative and the Scoobies have pieces of the puzzle. Um, they just don't have the whole thing together. Um, and uh, so as Xander and Willow walk in, they see that uh, Spike has in fact been hurt by what Xander said. And has decided to kill himself by falling on a stake. Another reference to the olden days of Buffy. He does say goodbye to Drew, despite the fact that she's oh, not there. Yeah. So we get a Drusilla <laughs> reference as well. That. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm always here for a Drusilla reference. I do want to make it very clear. Um, I do not think suicide is funny. It's very serious. This scene is really funny. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> physical humor is fantastic. Um, but yeah, like, uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, he falls, destroys the table, and misses the stake just ridiculously. Um, and uh, Xander, like, Willow's upset because, like, hey, we need, like, hey, you shouldn't do that because um, you know, basically, suicide is bad. Xander's like, hey, you shouldn't do that without me here to stake you. <laughs> so He's like, you should have asked me, man. Yeah. And then we get this great bit where he has this little monologue about, like, he's he's nothing. He's like, you don't even find me scary anymore. And Willow's like, well, you know, the Hawaiian shirt doesn't really help. And the chin, <laughs> it doesn't. And then, and then there's this great moment. It's a beautiful moment of acting from James Marsters where he goes at her and she <laughs> she just like doesn't even flinch she's just like oh, sorry um. but uh willow convinces uh xander to let spike come with them and uh and spike is like i don't want to come with you all i want to like i want to like kill myself and um but they decide to like bring him along and he's like hey look on the bright side there's a there's if we if we fail there's an apocalypse and he's like really you're not just saying that <laughs> oh boy good can I ask I feel I, like some thoughts oh sorry go ahead I feel like if this humor had been consistent throughout the episode I probably would have enjoyed it a little more this mm-hmm. is probably the only moment when I did like laugh out loud at the episode but uh, no I'm, but I'm yeah like. It's it still felt a little awkward in retrospect. Um, what do you think at this point where we are now, um, about the the backflips basically that the show has to do to both keep Spike alive and integrated with the rest of the cast? Does it work for you? Does it not? Well, the um. Obviously, uh, the develop the big development that comes uh, near the end of this episode for Spike um, that kind of determines his character path going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for basically the rest of the series. And uh, it, it does seem like a little bit of a leap as the whole like chip thing seemed like a little bit of a leap beforehand. Like, But I feel that um, James Marsters, as we mentioned before, James Marsters' performance, mm-hmm. able to work with basically anybody on the cast and have scenes that are absolutely gold, um, that is worth it. That's worth mm-hmm. like. Anytime you might roll your eyes and like, oh, I guess it makes sense. I mean, you probably don't even notice it because you're just like, I'm glad Spike is around. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of the same mind. I some of these I'm like, do I quite buy that they'd be like, yeah, sure, come along, Spike. Eh, maybe not. I think we're doing some mental gymnastics here. But at the same time, I'm like, listen, if it gets more James Marsters on my screen, then I'm willing to roll with it. Yeah. Um, and especially with how his arc goes. I, um, yeah. Anyway. So now we have another scene with uh, Buffy and Riley. And um, again, he is basically, again, he's basically trying to push the same, the same old shtick that he was pushing before. Only Andy this calls time- her stupid. Yeah, only this time, like, when she is giving legitimate reasons, including referencing Faith, who is mm-hmm. still in a coma, um, who enjoyed Love her job so much. And at this point, it the most, yeah, the most important thing is that Buffy, like, Riley sees killing demons as a job, which mm-hmm. is similar to how Buffy felt when she was talking with Kendra back in season two. Yeah. Now, Buffy has really grown to realize that this is her destiny this is this is the part of her life this is mm-hmm. like she it's her can't, calling she, yeah she can't take a day off from slaying um and even when she tries to she has to she still has to do it if the need arises yeah so um and riley just doesn't understand that and he um to the point where he says like oh well, this is clearly just because you're hung up on somebody. Um, God. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he just he just doesn't get it. I feel like we can't really say anything more about this because it's literally just... A, it's almost a repetition of the scene before. I'm pretty sure I was, like, checking my email during this scene. Yeah, no, like, I was like, why are we doing thing? this again? But, yeah, and um, so Buffy's just like, hey, leave me alone. This is... I. You brought up such a great point of... Um, you know, as uh, uh, to juxtapose Angel and Riley and their relationship with Buffy. Obviously, we have so we've discussed ad nauseum. Angel and Buffy had so many issues that made their relationship untenable, but Angel at least understood Buffy's destiny, Buffy's calling. You know. Riley cannot wrap his head around it. Because like you said, to Riley, it's a job. It's a nine-to-five. Um, obviously, he does not adhere to nine-to-five hours. But um, but it's, yeah, it's not... Um, it's, it, it, yeah, it's not... Uh, it, it's not a destiny. It's not a calling. It's just what he does for his paycheck. And and that's yeah. fine. Like, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to... like shit on it like you know you do a job sometimes and it doesn't have to be your identity but for Buffy it is her identity she is the slayer 
Riley is not the initiative. Um, yeah. So. Nope, I agree. Um, we then have a uh, Willow and Xander. They are unable to find anything about the word of Valios in the library, and um, so they're kind of so they're down in the dumps. But Spike decides to uh, do basically he has a Cordelia esque monologue in which he <laughs> it's very Cordelia basically just yeah he basically just calls them out on like. Yeah, you know what? You're you're not like most people. He looks at Xander and says, "Most people your age go to college. You've made it as far as the basement." And Willow couldn't get uh, Willow couldn't get Wolf Boy to say, which that's a low blow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and from and Spike, no. Yeah, and basically, um, they're just Buffy's groupies um, who don't really contribute, and we know that's not true. We know that Willow is a very important part of the team. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> oh, that was that was mean what you just did. Um, I agree with it, but Sanders I, too. <laughs> I I do. I love this because this is not the first time that we've seen um, Spike paying attention to what the dynamics are in this group and telling and, it like it is, and telling it like it is, or telling it in a very specific way that's close to like it is but also suits his pretty manipulative purposes um we uh you know uh, we saw it and we talked about it in something blue the fact that he immediately pinged that willow was not okay while her friends were were um uh uh kind of writing off her pain I think the Scoobies are making a very a big tactical mistake by allowing Spike essentially full access to their lives right now. Yeah. And but the main yeah. point of, the main point of this scene is to be a very sharp contrast to uh Spike at the end of the episode. But yes. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so I love Spike at the end of this episode. God, here's um Here's plot convenience 101. Um, Giles finds uh, an illustration of the word of Valios in a book, goes to his trunk, pulls out a box, and surprise, surprise, he has the talisman. And he's like, oh, as usual, no. And then, um, so he's about to leave, and that's when the demons show up, beat the crap out of him. When uh, when the gang gets back... um, Let's just assume that Giles got hit in the head because that's where like a lot of the blood is. Uh, yeah. um, I don't know if he got knocked <laughs> out, but uh, he probably got hit in the head. And um, Giles says that he got it at a sorcerer's estate sale, and he thought it was a knockoff. Um, but he says, it's, "Oh, they." Ha- it's so dumb. It's like, so it's 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 convenient in a bad way. Um, yeah, I get that they were trying to make a funny, like, oh, like, you thought this was going to be, like, an epic thing, and it turned out to be something that Giles got, like, that Giles had all along. I get that, like, because that, that humor has been used on Buffy before, but mm-hmm. it doesn't work in this. It, no. It's just, it falls super flat. It and... reminds me of uh, Becoming when uh, the Orb of Thessala, there's that reveal that yeah. he's, like... Oh, I have an Orb of Thessala. I thought it was a paperweight. That works. 
that works really well. It's hilarious. There had been precedent for it with the magic shop owner, um, like setting it up. I sell these all the time as new age paperweights. Here, it's just yeah. like it comes out of fucking nowhere, and it's so convenient. I I have this thing about contrivances in storytelling. You can start a story with a contrivance. I think. Or, or like a coincidence or whatever. I think that's a perfectly valid way to start your story. But it can't... Contrivances and coincidences cannot be used to resolve your story. Or... And this isn't really resolving it, but it is a major plot point near the end, near the climax, that comes out of fucking nowhere to the point that I forgot about it and you had to explain it to me. Like, that's... And I watched this episode just a couple hours ago. That's how fucking stupid this is. Because I was going, yeah, what happened? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but uh, he does say that the ritual is meant to open the hell mouth. So, hey, guess what? The gang's going back to the very poorly CGI'd exterior of Sunnydale High School. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that might be mean. I don't care. That no, being said, it's, it's accurate. That being said, I think the set of the inside of the school is actually really good. It's great. Love so it. So let me yeah. let me take my cheap shot at the CGI first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're um they're walking through the halls trying to find the library. It's a little hard because everything's kind of like blown up. Um, obviously, um, uh, like uh, as. Yeah, it's really great because uh, Buffy's like, oh, why is Spike even here? And um, <laughs> and Willow says, like, well, if we left him alone, he'd just stake himself. She's like, why is that a problem? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, that was that. A, I like that they brought Buffy into that bit, just and it made it a little <laughs> bit better. Um, so they run across, um, Xander steps on, uh, like, this heaping, like, uh, mound of something that's been charred. And he's like, oh, Mayor Meat. So Love reference that. to Mayor Wilkins. Um, Love that callback. Apparently in like uh, in another shot of the hallway, you can see the trophy that Amy's mom is trapped in. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I did know that, but I, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Do you think Amy's uh, mom died in the explosion? Not sure. We, we, need a, we need Oz back so that he can look and see if the eyes are still moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so then they make their way to the library, and there's a crater there, and um, yeah, makes sense. And so the uh, and so the they're looking for the sacrifices. They assume that the people are going to sacrifice that these demons are going to sacrifice three humans for the ritual. Turns out they're just going to sacrifice themselves. Which I mean, if you're ending the world, makes sense. Yeah. it's just um, easier. <laughs> it, it is, uh, I, yeah. Congrats on the thriftiness of these demons. Um, but, uh, yeah, so in the end, they get into a fight. Um, and uh, I found this fight very poorly choreographed. I Yeah. It is... I, I was so bored during most of this fight. Um, I, I think part of the problem was I had a... I, I was having a difficult time with the geography of the room. I think... I know it probably would not have made any sense logically, but I think they should have probably kept it looking more like the original library set. 
I'm like, I get it. The set was blown to hell. That was the epicenter of the explosion. It would look nothing like what it looked like in real life. But I think just for the viewer, for their sense of geography, we should have had a, at least a couple landmarks, like the cage or like uh, or like a second level or something like that. Apparently, you, know I mean? you can see the cage in there. I wasn't looking for it, but you can see it. I didn't it. see it. I did not um, see it. That's what the wiki says. I'm I'm just gonna this episode's been running a little long, so I'm just gonna kind of go through this. But yeah, yeah um, it's not important. Like, yeah, both it, yeah both both the demon with the blood and the demon with the bones are able to uh, fall into the fall into the crater that leads directly to the Hellmouth. Um, while Spike uh, before the before the demon with the bones does that though. Spike is able to hit him and realize that he can hurt demons because there's no pain in that. He just can't hurt people. Um, So he's like, he's getting super excited about this. Unfortunately, that doesn't, uh, unfortunately, that leads to him making it easier for that demon to sacrifice himself. Um, And, uh, and uh, the building is about to uh, collapse and Buffy is still fighting the demon that has the uh, the word of Valios. And um, so she tells the others to get out. The demon jumps into the pit. The demon jumps into there. And Buffy's about to follow when um, Riley shows up. Ugh. So uh, um, Buffy's about to go in after it. But um, Riley, like, hooks a cable onto her. Okay, um, And fine. she's like, oh, I'm I'm going in. And he's like, "You're coming back." Fine. Uh, so I actually am into. I like. I like that. That's at least practical. I can. I can. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I was mad when Riley but, uh, showed up. <laughs> she um. But yeah, she's able to crawl in, and then she pulls the demon along with the uh, word of Valios out. And uh, yep, the world is saved again, as the Buffy Wiki says. Yay! Um, so. Uh, I don't know what ends up happening to this demon, but Riley shows up. Like Riley walks with Buffy because she pulled the whole demon out of the out of the pit. I don't know if like they tied him up and left him there for the initiative well, or I think what. It's but supposed to have died. I don't know. It's really you're right. It's really weird. I was like, did it die? Did I don't know. I don't know. It's but yeah. Um. Yeah. So Riley and Buffy, uh, they are leaving the library and they see Xander, Will, and Spike. And and Riley is like trying very poorly to be like, oh, you know, I was just kind of walking around. And um, Willow and Willow and Xander immediately like, oh yeah, so you're one of the commandos. And he sees mm-hmm. um he sees Spike and he's like, hey, don't I know you? And um, he's like, uh, no, sir, I'm a friend of Xander. <laughs> I am I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the way that J- James Marster says Xander. Xander. <laughs> oh, it's so good cuz I don't um I don't know if you know this. Um originally uh James Marster's auditioned for the I don't remember if it was written or if that's just how he auditioned. Um but Spike was going to have a Texas accent. Oh boy. Um and then uh, it's some oh, like point. the um, like the Gorch brothers, uh, right? Ugh, uh, at some point, um, they 
I don't know when it happened, but of course they obviously decided to go like the Sid and Nancy vibe with with Spike and Drusilla. Yeah. Um, which was the right direction to go with those characters. Yep. I cannot I cannot fathom Texan Spike. Like it just doesn't exist he in definitely, my head. The the um the popularity amongst the fans that got Spike back onto the show as a regular character probably wouldn't have been there if maybe, the Texas accent had been maybe, there. Maybe, but I'm also I'm thinking about Lost too, about Sawyer, who's one of the most popular characters, who had a I don't know I can't I don't think it was Texan, but he had a heavy Southern accent. Yeah. So I don't know. It's entirely know. possible that it would have worked and that we just can't imagine it because we have a very specific image of Spike. But but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'd be interested. And I actually think there was... I might be making this up, but I think I remember hearing something that kind of an opposite situation happened on Lost with the Sawyer character that um, he was... I think he was supposed to be like British originally and then they changed him to Southern... Uh, with, oh God, Josh Holloway. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, uh, with his it. audition. That might be something I've just completely made up. I don't know. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe it. Um, so the next day, uh, Buffy goes to Riley's dorm room. And uh, he's very upset because he's like, oh man, I couldn't keep up my... Couldn't keep up my secret identity or anything. And then she's like, everything will be okay. And kisses him. Yeah. And despite the fact that everything in the episode signaled that Buffy did not want this. Apparently um, being there uh, to help her with stop that ritual was enough. Um, I, I guess the point is that she learns that, oh, look, we did fight side by side. And like everything was fine and we stopped the apocalypse so i guess he was right all along it's like i mean that's one fight man like yeah um this feels very much watching this episode uh in light of course of what we've talked about with the show's creators this that that sort of thing like riley's the episode seems to make us seems like we're supposed to be on riley's side when he's such an asshole. Yeah. And um, I did not care for that. I, I'm i not a fan, as you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> then we go to uh, Xander's basement, where Willow and Xander oh, are trying yeah. to watch TV. But Spike is like, hey, you know what? Let's go out demon hunting. Let's go save the world. And he just wants to finally get into some fights again. And it's it's really fun to see. It's great. I really love the detail of when he stands in front of the TV, Xander and Willow both kind of leaning over to, to like <laughs> see around him. Uh, yeah, that was... I don't... Do Xander and Willow even have any dialogue in that scene? Or is it just Riley? I don't... I, I, don't th- I think it's just Spike. Or just Spike, I mean. I, yeah. God damn, why did I... Um, ew, sorry. I don't know why I said but, Riley. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, and this is... Basically, as I mentioned before, this is the this sets uh, Spike's path for the rest of the season because he mm-hmm. now he is going to become a Scooby and uh, and um, 
Yeah, and a reluctant be... one, but um... a reluctant one. I mean, he'll still. <laughs> Don't worry, he's still gonna like be giving shit to Xander and several other characters, mostly Xander and Giles. But uh, but yeah, um, he he's now kind of like on the side of the good guys, um, even it's... though he's not a good guy himself. This is very very similar. Uh, we've talked about how Spike is kind of a replacement Cordelia in in that way, like. He's the, you know, you, you. it's a trope. You have your kind of, like, token bad guy on the good guy's team. And that was Cordelia for a while. Um, of course, we would not say that about Cordelia where she is currently. Um, but, Tune in next but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm excited about where Spike is going. I'm less yeah, excited about and, Riley. Yeah, and like I said, um, you do get, like, in an episode that seems very much throwaway, the important things that you can get from this are like the evolution of Spike's role in the series and the evolution of uh, Riley and Buffy's relationship. Yep. Um, but yeah. For better or uh, for worse. So I gotta say, um, clearly not a fan of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um it it's honestly like even summarizing it now was a mess i feel like um right yeah it, it just seems to jump from one point to the other and i don't and like given that david fury did have like a whole wedding that week um I, i'm not gonna be mad at him it's just that like i'm never neither of these three writers who i both enjoy on this show um I'm not going to point to this episode as a showcase of any of their abilities. No. Um, they they no, no, all no. can do so much better. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to give this a 1.5 out of 5 needless trips to Sunnydale High. Very good, very good. Yeah, it's just, there's good stuff in here, which is frustrating, right? Like, it's so frustrating when an episode is bad but has, like, nuggets of goodness. Um, and the other thing that's pr- I had I don't like about this episode is that it's not disastrously bad, you know? It's not like an iRobot Eugene. It's not like a, um, a beer bad where we can at least go, like, this is terrible, but, like, we're having a good time. It's so yeah. boring. So much of this is boring. And then Jane wrote a funny line, and I was like, oh, that's great! And then we're bored again. So, uh, like, I yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I I mentioned to Jason, he and I were talking a couple days ago about this episode, and they said, like, I remember not liking this episode, but I want to go into the episode being clear-headed and not unfairly judging it against Hush, or against any of the recent episodes we've done, because we've had a, a, a string of really strong episodes. So I wanted to make sure I was judging it on its own merits. And on its own merits, it's bad. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I um, <laughs> I never once thought to myself, I, I think the one thing that I may have thought to myself was, oh, last, we, last time we introduced Tara, and she's not in this at all. Um that might be my only comparison to Hush that I'm giving this. Because, I mean, you can't yeah. compare every episode of Buffy to Hush or Becoming. Exactly. 
Um, That's not fair. But, uh, yeah, this episode is definitely lower tier. Um, really Rest assured, kind of this episode the fails along. on its own terms. Yeah. Like, uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. This is a 1.5 uh, stupid... I don't even know what it's called. Metal thing that Giles had in his house for some The word of values. Word of I Right? Like, that's how... That's how little this episode even meant. I was just like, and yeah, it's disappointing that our first visit back to Sunnydale High School since season three was was such a letdown because that should have been a momentous occasion. And this episode felt like they thought it was momentous, and mostly I was just confused about the fight choreography. Yeah. So. Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm ready to be done talking about this episode. Yes. Um, so before Jason, before you take us out in our outro, um, I love the word outro. Anyway, um, uh, I do want to tell our listeners, our lovely, sexy, good-looking, smart, uh, kind listeners, and that's all of you. All. Even if even if you don't think you are, that's all of you. Yeah. Um. So this Saturday, March twenty seventh, I think is that right? Uh, March 27th. Yeah, um, March 27th. We are doing a Buffy panel. Uh, Jason and I and our um, guest friend of the pod, Ben Gearhart, um, at TomCon, which is a local uh, local to Louisville, uh, uh, like, virtual convention that originally started my understanding is is all about anime but now it's just kind of become a free-for-all about like just anything um but we were invited by uh, a good friend of mine uh and uh oh and actually jason is a friend of his as well i forgot for a second um <laughs> scott who's one of the uh scott whitehouse um, <laughs> scott whitehouse great good friend uh one of the one of the runners of that uh of TomCon. But yeah, we're doing a panel, um, and it's going to be really fun. I will put the link in our show notes for this episode. Um, it's because uh, I don't remember what it is right now. And also put it on our socials. Uh, join us. I think we're going to have a good time. We've picked, uh, th- we, the, each of us have picked a specific episode to talk about. Um, Jason will be discussing... Uh, one of the episodes I'm so delighted that he picked because I think it's a... I was so shocked when he said it, but it, like in the best way. Uh, Jason will be discussing the season six episode, Double Meat Palace. Um, I will be doing the season seven episode, Selfless, which is one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. And our guest Ben will be doing uh, another season seven episode, Conversations with Dead People, um, which I think is just a great trio of episodes to discuss i'm really excited for that um so please join us i think we're gonna have a good time i once i finish uh recording with jason for this episode i have to go and finish prepping for that (laughs) yeah so that's all i have to say about that it'll be a good time i'm looking forward it'll be a good time me too um thank you for joining us on booze and buffy we'll be back next week with angel Season 1, Episode 11, Somnambulist. Yes. Um, 
I mean, I think anything will be better than this episode, but if memory serves, that's a really good episode um, of Angel. Um, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I also have a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I discuss a different horror film each week. This week, I am talking, I wrote a review of the film Annihilation, which I don't give a good goddamn what anyone says. That is a fucking horror movie. That it's is a good movie. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it, but I, it gets dismissed as horror because people are like, well, it's too smart to be horror. And it's like, well, fuck you. Uh, that is monster horror. That is body horror. That is psychological horror. That movie is a fucking beautiful horror movie. Anyway, I love Annihilation. <laughs> I'm Jason. sorry. I'm a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm cool with it. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357. And if you're interested in following my series of blog posts where I review different types of microphones that are used on film sets, you can check out uh, that blog. It's called Here Comes the Boom. Was that off the cuff or did you It was off the cuff. Nice. That's impressive. Like that, that's very impressive. (laughs) I love this gag. This is my favorite gag. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those. Um, If you can think of uh, Anya-specific lyrics for a little bit of Lexus, shoot that shit my way. Shoot that shit's creek my way. (laughs) Ah! Nice. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Uh, Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or a nonprofit. Um, uh, Apologies for this extreme tonal whiplash, but uh, in light of the horrible, horrible uh, hate crime in uh, Atlanta against the Asian American community last week, um, we are highlighting Asian Americans excuse me, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, or AAJC, rooted in the dreams of immigrants and inspired by the promise of opportunity, AAJC advocates for an America in which all Americans can benefit equally from and contribute to the American dream. Their mission is to advance the civil and human rights for Asian Americans and to build and promote a fair and equitable society for all. Visit wwwadvancingjustice aajc.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. Bye.